Hello, and welcome to On Staging, a community theater-focused discussion podcast highlighting the development and staging of community theater productions in Calgary and the surrounding area. I'm Kyle Gould, and I'm joined this morning by the director of Morpheus Theater's production of The Peacock Season. You've seen her on stage with Morpheus Theater in 2023's Calendar Girls, on the board as the former president of Dudney Players, the Cat Award-nominated director of Dudney's Clue, Nicola Payton. Hello. Welcome to the show. Hello. So, how did you get your start in community theater? Well... I have done that. I've done community theatre since I was a dot, literally a dot in my mother's stomach. What? <laughs> she was on stage while I was in the, in womb? the womb. In utero? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's incredible. Now, was that an Amdram? Yes. Ah, yes. so yet another English yes. expat here, sitting I'm, here. Actually, I think it might have been semi-professional Wow! at Look the at time. That. <laughs> Whereabouts? But, um, in Cambridge in the UK. Okay. And our family has been in theatre, community theatre, Amdram, all the time since forever. And so it just, yeah, it's never been out of my life. Wow. No, um, I mean, that's, I mean, that's going to be the case. You know how parents like the mothers put headphones on their bellies so that mm -hmm. their kids listen to the Beatles and then they have this strange fascination with the Beatles their whole lives. This is you with community theater. Yes, definitely. <laughs> definitely. I think the first time I was actually acting was in an advert for a local home supplies store when I was okay. about three. Oh my With goodness. my mom. <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's always been there. Wow. And so you have done a bushel of shows a as bunch. a performer starting or? Starting as a performer in primary school in pantomimes and the Church of England nativity plays that they all did. I was in those and then yeah. straight into community theatre because in traditional English pantomimes, there's a chorus of children. Oh, there because always is, yeah. that helps getting the audience in. Yep, those parents got to pay to see their kids. Yep. Absolutely. So, yeah, I went straight into that, did chorus in that with my sister and brother and cousins. and. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. Um, and at some point then, usually kids stop doing it. Yes. So what what happened there for you? Because you've definitely led a life full of community theater and Amdrams. You get to a point where if you want to see your parents, they're in the theater doing community theater. So, oh, wow. So you have to go and join them too. In fact, quite a lot of the time it was, no, you are going to be in this show because otherwise we'll have to get babysitters. So and we can't afford that right yeah, now. So no. <laughs> this is both our entertainment and... And yeah, childcare. And childcare. That's amazing. And wow. then I didn't direct until I was older, till I had my children. Oh, okay. So you'd just been acting. Mm -hmm. Did you do any other technical side of things? Were you doing costuming? Did you do lights at all? Stage not, management? Not at that point. After I had my children, you get to a an age as a female <laughs> where you're not young enough, but you're also not old enough. So you you find other things. And that's when I got into all, the other, All of the other things. And we had, I had such a small community theatre group that we had to literally do everything. So I've done lights, I've done sound, I've done costume, I've been on stage while doing all the other things as well. Wow. Yeah. So let's, let's roll back there. I'm still interested. So there's an age every teenager gets where they just kind of stop doing those things. You know, their, their, their interests align more with boys and cars and school or other things. Um, and your parents probably are still doing Amdrams today, I would think. Uh, no, no, they're, they've retired now. <laughs> oh, whoever truly retires from the theater. Uh, <laughs> they're just thing. audience members now and they love going to the theater. That's now, so. perfect. But your parents were doing shows well, yeah. well beyond that. Did you just continue to do shows with them or find your own shows to do? And where did you end up going with regards to schooling and whatnot? So in my secondary school, which is a bit like... It's the ages 12 to 16. Yeah, it's kind of like junior high. Yeah. There was a drama class and I took drama. And while doing that, I was also in the Girl Guides, but my mum ran it. So we would do a gang show. So a gang show is basically a variety show for Girl Guides. And then we'd invite the scouts and they'd inevitably dress up as ballet dancers with tutus and do 
because there's something about the ability to, I'm a tough scout, but I can put a tutu on and did, do ballet and no one says anything about it. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's football players and yeah. tutus in Canada. But Abs- yeah. <laughs> yeah. So all through school, I was doing that. And then I, there was a period in between 16 and maybe 25-ish. Okay. No? Yeah, about then. When I met my husband, we got married, I had children, and then I started, we moved to a village where they had a theatre group, and I full threw myself full into that. Oh, wow. What's the village? It was called Little Thetford. Little Thetford. There was like, I don't I know, 300 I wa- people there. I watch all these shows with my mom where these people find these houses in these tiny little villages, and they're oh, yeah. like, oh, maybe I'll buy this house. And there's another village down the road that has a beautiful home as well. And so I, I always wonder if these little, one of those ones will perk up, and I'm like, oh, I've seen that now. <laughs> yes. You know, it's a tiny little village on the outside, outskirts of Ely, which is a cathedral city but it's like smaller than okotoks smaller than small well okotoks is not small right well okay so. it's it's a it's a similar size to high river then oh okay yeah so okay. high river is not too bad either what eighteen thousand? yeah think? something, like, something that. like that well it was when we left i think they've grown exponentially too wow so <laughs> does your husband do theater under sufferance he does theater oh, no. <laughs> sufferance oh no so his excuse was always, well, I will look after the children while right. you go and do your theatre thing. Yeah. And then when the children were old enough, he didn't have that excuse. So I dragged him in and he is um, an excellent stage manager. Oh, but that's he w- wonderful. He said, but I'll only do it for you. Oh, wow. <laughs> because he says, because I can argue with you and <laughs> he'll still I'm- stay married. <laughs> That's hilarious. I love that. To that end, so but you gave up on theater while your kids were while you were getting married and while your kids were young. So you don't have the experience of having performed while Chloe or your son were in in utero themselves. Oh. You didn't carry that through, or did you? No, I actually did. That's yeah. hilarious. Yes, I no, that. I did. I I was doing a one act play. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that was with my son. There we go. Yeah, so I the, didn't. I haven't thought about that for ages. The tradition continues. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So it seems very much like the theater is in your blood. What does it mean to you holistically? What does theater mean to you? It all sounds really weird and, you know, cliche, but it is, it's my spiritual home. They're my people. I don't think anyone I've ever really sort of, you you have your arguments with people, but we all love, I don't know, adoration, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) People saying, oh, you did a really good job or oh, I was so entertained or just clapping at the end of a show and it just makes you feel like, oh, I did something nice. That's wonderful. I love that. And so that's being on the stage itself. And of course, that seems to be where your principal passion stemmed from and went to. And it's only that you found directing later on. Tell me how you got into directing. I did the thing that, as I said, you get too old to be the young lover and then you're too young to be the mother so I started having vision (laughs) it sounds really weird but I started seeing other people's shows and going oh I wouldn't have done oh I wouldn't have done that oh why did you choose oh and then I'm all standing in a line yeah and then I thought I you know quite egotistically I could do that better (laughs) so I did (laughs) so yeah I started with pantomimes again that's the the thing to do in the yeah. UK. So. And something you knew re- really, really well. Yeah. And there's something really, it's, it, you sort of throw yourself into it when you have to herd cats is the phrase where you've yeah. got 20 people, including a whole ton of young children, and you have to move them around and get them to stay where they, where you put them. <laughs> so it's like, it's the most difficult thing to start with, I think. Yeah. Getting those many people on stage. There's a huge complexity to a pantomime that comes because there's so many different costumes. There's so many different people there. You're doing dancing, you're singing, you're acting. And then oftentimes there's front of cloth, back of cloth actions that are happening. And so there's lots of stage movement that needs to occur. It is some of the most complex and complicated form of live theater we do in community theater. And yet people still seem to be doing it on the regular. Yeah. And and in the UK, the tradition is is it's comedy but it's also political comment yeah. and local comments on you know who the councillors are and and you have to get all of that tied together into a story and make it so that people actually want to see it yeah. and make it like 
um, the animated movies where there's a level that the adults understand it and right. there's a level that the children understand it so that they're not going home going, Mom, when they said that, what does that mean? Right. Yeah, they're not asking that. They're just enjoying the fact yeah. that the dog was rolling around on stage. Yeah, and then there was a fart joke. Yeah, <laughs> those are the best. And I do love the conventions that come with traditional pantomime of the best boy and the best girl and the dame and uh, the evil the evil person and the audience responses. Those all come together really, really well. But those also imply their own complexity and difficulties in association with casting them yep. and then putting them on stage in the appropriate attire in appropriate way so that it holds true to it and is also understandable to an audience. Yeah, I, I had an actor once who was not totally set on the idea of being our dame wow and he was like i don't know if i can do it i don't know if i can i can get into this character and and he went away and he he decided he would do it he said if it's good enough for like the top actors then i can do it right. and after the end of the run of the show he absolutely loved it he said it's the best experience i've ever had being completely different from who i am playing a completely different role and singing and dancing and wearing high heels it was amazing also you're the star almost yeah, without much. fail the dame is the star of the show yeah. they're usually the one that interacts with the audience the most and they're usually the one that the audience draws their eye to immediately because they're done up in the yeah. most fantastic display the best dresses oftentimes yes <laughs> But we're not here to talk about no. pantomimes. No. We're not here to talk about everything else. But it is interesting to note, like, this is all still happening for you in the UK. When did you come to Canada? We arrived in 2006. So almost 20 years ago, 18 years ago, and you moved from, did you come straight to Calgary or? Where yes. Did you... oh, well, we went to um, Okotoks first. Wow. There was a discussion. <laughs> there are a lot of English people and so especially around the 2006 2008 oh, years a lot of English people moved to Okotoks wonder why that is what brought you to Okotoks well, we decided because we came from a very small village as I have said mm -hmm. we decided Calgary was too big yeah uh, too big for my family too big for our lives so we would look for a smaller place so Okotoks seemed the right place. We didn't go there because there were lots of English people. <laughs> In fact, if we'd have known how many English people there were there, we would not have moved there. <laughs> but That's then they hilarious. did have a, a, a nice community theatre group, which also has a lot of English people involved. It does, yes, since 1992, mm -hmm. yes. And that's Dudney players that we're talking about here. Yes. But, I mean, was it jobs? Was it just like you found a, a dropped your finger on the map? Why Canada? Why Okotoks? My son was diagnosed with autism. Mm -hmm. He was about to go to secondary school in the UK. There was not the support there. We went, so we're either going to move to somewhere in the middle of like the Yorkshire Dales and like where there's no people or, and my husband said, I've been to Canada. Shall we go to Canada and see if that's a good place to go? And we <laughs> came to visit and went, yep. And it turns out it was the best choice for us. Wow. 18 years later, mm -hmm. your family is fully grown. They are. They're all leaving the nest. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah. And and you're, uh, you're, you're now taking the, the role of directing. So in 2006, did you go to Dudney immediately? Or were you just settling yourself? What happened with you and Amdrams and community theater? And how hard was it leaving your groups and your societies and the people you knew and loved in England? Well, the, the the people in England is the only thing that we still miss. It's the people. It's obviously family, but also, as you say, the um, the theatre groups. But the show that Dudney did the year that we moved was one that we had just done the same. Like we moved in September and in the spring of that year, the group I was with had just done the same show. So we went to watch it and I went... I could be comfortable here. Aww. They're doing similar shows. What show was this? Uh, Arms and the Man. That's wonderful. So you saw them do it and mm -hmm. you said you walked up to them after the show or did you send them an email? What happened then? We had actually, we were renting a basement in a house next to some of the members of Dudney and our landlord said, oh, you should talk to them because they're involved. And then I found the next audition and... 
went for it. So That's amazing. And so you've been involved with them ever since. Yes. You're the former president yes. of Dudney Players. How long were you the president? Two times. Oh, so my goodness. Four years? Oh, okay. Six years? Yeah. <laughs> Something like Whatever that. Whatever the terms are. Yeah. They're a bustling, busy group now yes. with a lot of support and a lot of people. Yes, they are. Um, and you've done so many different shows with them mm-hmm. and done so many different projects with them. It's hard to note. Um, one of your most recent ones, Clue, was the Cat Award nominated. And apparently, I didn't get a chance to see it, but it was great and had lots of great reviews for it. Yes, um, it was one of my one of my favorites. Yeah, I don't doubt. And it was a musical? Yes, it was a musical. Clue I don't the musical. I don't really do musicals as such, apart from the pantomimes, which don't yeah. really count. So this was this was quite a stretch for me. <laughs> I find that when you do a musical as the director, you have suddenly a lot less to do. Yes. Because there's now a choreographer that's handling a whole bunch of movement through, during the show. And now there's a musical director that's handling a whole bunch of other time during the show that really you just kind of sit back and let them do their things. And it's only when you get involved in their things that trauma and stress and whatnot yeah. starts to perk up. Because from my own experience, I got too involved in the in the musical director's business and the choreographer's business at times. Yeah, I we didn't have a choreographer. I was doing the choreography. Wow. So dance as well. That's, yes. That's it, well, movement to music. That's dance. <laughs> but, Sorry yeah. to say. So, but the cast was, was great. They're all talented singers. So they knew what they were doing. They went off and did their music thing. And then I just moved them while wow. they were doing it. That's amazing. So that was a clue in yep. 2020. Yep. And then suddenly you're now acting with Morpheus in yes. 2023's Calendar Girls. What led you to Morpheus? Have you done much with them over the years? So I'd done a pantomime again okay. with Morpheus, um, a young Sherlock. And then we moved into Calgary. Oh, and there we go. Although so you finally decided that Oak yeah, Jokes was too small, too small. for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, yeah, we, we had this weird discussion about cities and if I want to live in a city, my husband wanted to live in the city that he actually works in rather than a... That's fair. Rather than the commute and the yeah, sleeper village and yeah. whatnot. So we moved right into the middle of the city. Oh, wow. And downtown. Loved it. Downtown. Which is great because it's like 10 minutes away from <laughs> the rehearsal space. So Absolutely. And while Okotoks isn't too far to go to watch a show, right? it's quite a long way to go to rehearse three times, four times a week. Absolutely. You're looking at, from downtown Calgary, 50 minutes to get there, give yeah. or take. Yeah, about that. And if the weather's bad, yeah, and it's that road can get icy because yeah. that wind is fierce. So when we moved in, I was looking for, you know, I want to get involved properly in the theatre groups in in Calgary. So, so Morpheus was a great pick. And... They were doing my favorite show, so I had to audition for Calendar Girls. Yeah. I couldn't not. <laughs> How could you not? And that was really well received. What a beautiful cast. I don't doubt you became true friends with these people for yes. the rest of your life, no doubt. Yes. Uh, it's one of those moving productions that was so well attended that it makes you feel even more special and better from having gotten to do it from all the people that were sitting in the wings to see it because that show was pretty much sold out the entire run. Yes, it was. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's such a good show. I've done it twice. Um, Dudney had done it previously and I thought when I auditioned I thought I'd quite like to play a different character yeah but Krista saw me as Chris so, <laughs> so I played the, the same, same character char- again how was that playing the same character twice did you find new things in the production when you were doing it I did because new the- relationships with new people playing new characters with new interactions and new inceptions on what the character should be about that was definitely yeah. mostly it the the different people the different way they played the characters and it makes you play it differently because you can't be the same person when you're around different people that's not how humans are we're always different around different people so yeah. so yeah and both the directors of both the groups had different visions of what they saw about it so yeah i mean essentially I think I am Chris. <laughs> so so it was me, Nicola playing Chris, but then Chris was slightly different with the different um her different friend, her yeah. different friends group. Absolutely. Wow, that's amazing. What an interesting way to go. I I would you recommend people play a character twice? If you love it, if you love the character and I I love 
Chris and it helped my brain because, because I do struggle learning lines now. Oh, okay. So that's part of the reason why being a director is good because I don't have to learn lines. You get to hold the script the whole time. But um, when I did Chris, the lines just came back. I'd already learned the lines. So they You'd just... You'd already lived the lines, yeah. yeah. They just came back and um, that made it a lot easier for memorizing. Gosh, you must have been so well supported for your fellow co-actors as well because you knew your lines and you were looking them in the eye and you were ready to go so much quicker than everyone else i haven't actually ever asked them i know they were quite intimidated because i seem to know the, the lines at the auditions straight it, it, away but. it can be intimidating in that regard yes it's true but at the same point once you're in rehearsals yeah we're having all in somebody the who's there with their line ready to go as opposed to them scrabbling and losing their spot on the page that can be troublesome and hard yes um but you're right, there might be a level of intimidation <laughs> that comes from just immediately knowing the line already and being off book well before everyone yeah. else. Yeah, that's quite a quite a thing. And uh, unusual for me because I'm never off book before anybody else. But that's okay. We're here now to talk about The Peacock Season by Otis Bigelow. So when I was asked to direct it, I did what you always do. I Googled it. Yeah. And the only thing that came up was Morpheus's version of it that they did. I don't. A million years ago. years ago. 20 years ago. I don't. Before you even came to Calgary. Yeah. That's yeah. so a long. Yeah. It's not. Uh, it's not well known. It's it not is not super drawing of an audience in that regards. And it's called the Peacock Season. Yeah. So it's not really. Doesn't give anything away. <laughs> as to what it's all about. So what is the Peacock Season? So the Peacock Season is set in 1908 in upstate New York. And it's a group of well-off people get together for the weekend and have a, a weekend party, as they always used to. Two of them are married, and they are married for love. It's very important, we know, they are married for love. But they meet their previous fiancés who are very, very rich and decide that the only thing they can do is split up and marry the rich past loves. So in 1908, divorce is not a thing. Mm -hmm. So the only thing they can do is murder each other. And that's what they try to do for the rest of the play. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So why, so why is it called the peacock season? Well, there are, there were discussions about why it's called the peacock season. There's lots of imagery about showing off, hiding your actual self so the peacock before they put their tail up they're hiding themselves and then they're like showing off peacocks is also about um display and pageantry yeah no i was <laughs> it is about that but it was it's also about renewal there's a there's a whole thing about it can be uh going going back to it peacock imagery is huge i don't know why otis called it the peacock season but it's very much Showing off, showing different sides. Most of the characters have two or three obviously different sides to them. So I think we were going along that. We were there hiding your true self and then showing off a different version of yourself. Yeah, it it really does remind me of Julian Fellow's new show, The Gilded Age. And I wonder if there is a reference to a peacock season or the peacock season of of when the all the dilettantes and the debutantes would go about and and go and descend upon each other's homes and have these magnificent balls to show off their splendor and whatnot as they do a parade about town sort of thing. It certainly seems there are comments in the show about other weekends that right. this couple have gone to and it does seem that they spend their entire spring maybe going to different people's houses doing the rounds doing, doing the rounds were. yes yeah. basically because they have no money and they want to be fed by other people live the nice life yeah. without having to pay for it yeah, yeah that definitely they haven't touched on that in the gilded age much i think that they definitely will potentially in this next coming season but uh, what a I wonderful show really should watch that oh a hundred percent i but now it would change your wait till after the show goes <laughs> up and then you'll uh because it's just a beautiful television show so what is your directorial style i trust my actors to start with. We had a lot of discussions. It was really good this time. We had quite a lot of time to have discussions about character. So we'd all come to the same conclusions on each on the characters. So I let them play about with it on the stage. And if it 
didn't work, I told them that. But I didn't force anything on them. Oh, okay. I, I try not to force anything on my actors unless they specifically ask my opinion on something. And they never do. Um, they have done. <laughs> not holistically, they don't. Though. No, not holistically. We, we, we had group discussions about like how they were and what their characters were like and what they would react to this and that. But I left them to work out their characters. And then, as I say, character-wise, if I didn't like it, I would tell them. Mostly, I was herding cats again. There's 14 people in this show on a very a small stage. Short, not a huge show, though, at the end of the day. Not not so. as big as I've done before, but it's right. still you still have to make sure that they're, as you said, not standing in lines. Absolutely, right? <laughs> like, it's just... The technical things about directing is... And you're in the smaller theater yes. at the Pump House, right? Which is, uh, that's a, a different very sort close. of setup thing. That's going to be very, very tight for 14 people and the sort of setup that this show contains and has. So would you say that the Peacock season is kind of a murder mystery? It's not really a mystery because you know who did it right from the start. The The mystery is who's going to last the whole show right there's there's quite a lot of murdering accidental murders that that happen it's a, it's <laughs> it is a comedy <laughs> perfect and how did you become associated with the peacock season during the tech week for calendar girls i happened to be talking to sean and said i'd really want to get more involved in the calgary scene if there's anything that comes up that i can do and then i think it was the summer sean contacted me and said can you direct the peacock season and i went i would like to can i read a script because <laughs> i because yeah. you google it and as nothing i said comes nothing up. comes up yeah so i read the script and i i went hmm this is a thing that has been written <laughs> and then i read it again and i went actually this is quite good and then i read it again and no i can make this this is funny i wow. can do this i start getting the visions in my head and then i would love to put it on so wow back to sean i would love to do it thank you very much that's incredible so you you read it over the summer mm -hmm. you said yes yep. after you read it three times mm -hmm. which is a lot of dedication on your part and once you'd read it what happened next did you start to put in together your production team or did sean and morpheus put together that production team for you so being a newbie i just let them do it all oh there <laughs> so we go. they did colleen the producer has already she said did you have anyone in mind for a stage manager and i didn't so and this is colleen bishop the executive producer for the entire season of morpheus's shows she's brought in by the artistic director sean anderson to oversee as the executive producer sometimes she's to take the role of straight up producers Producer. as well if they yeah. can't find somebody to produce the show itself that is one thing morpheus is constantly looking for is people to help produce a show so if you are interested out there in listenerville and would like to do some production related stuff you can definitely reach out to colleen bishop and morpheus about taking on a junior associate production role or whatnot uh, to learn the, the tricks of the trade as it works it's a pretty complicated thing it not is. as much with morpheus though they're a well-oiled machine over there. Well, everyone seems to know everyone. So when you say, well, we need a intimacy coordinator. Oh, yeah, I know these people. I, we need a fight. to pick. Yeah, I know there's person. like two. A fight coordinator we needed. Exactly. So they know who to get in touch with. And who did you use for your fight, choreo for um, your fight Ian choreographer? Ian Pond. Oh, wonderful. Yes. There's not a ton of fighting in the show, right? One fight. Yeah. yeah. There is a lot of intimate moments in the production. There are. And so you've had, a, you have a huge team of people associated with this, with this show for 14 people. There's a lot of production mm -hmm. staff as well. You've got sound design, you've got stage management, you've got properties, you've got costumes, plus intimacy direction, as well as fight choreography. Yep. So your production team meetings are probably rather big. Uh, when was your first production team meeting? It was the week after auditions i think oh wow okay and so what were auditions like for the peacock season auditions were interesting because we were doing three shows yeah so we had uh it's a wonderful life we had sylvia and we had the peacock season which you are now the final director yes. <laughs> of all three of those directors wayne hunter's been here ted Locke has been here and now you are here as well in fact i've had sean anderson here as well <laughs> so all of the people that were in the room for yep. those interviews those callbacks are now here how did that go for you it was good it was quite interesting seeing 
some of the people had decided which show they wanted to be in and they tailored their um, audition piece specifically for that. And then we would ask them to do something completely different because obviously all three of us were looking for different things. Very different things, yes. It was quite uh, eye-opening as to how people took direction. Well, yeah. That's that was for me that was the biggest thing having seen them come in and go oh yeah they might work in that role and then if they could not take any sort of direction we were all sort of okay <laughs> <laughs> by the um, last audition the three of us sort of seemed to have some sort of extrasensory perception. We sort of knew what each others were going to say and what they were going to get the person to do. And I'm sorry, gentle felt. listener, I'm going to interrupt Nicola here because she is gesticulating with her hands. Sorry. And so I'm going to ask, were you sitting in the middle of the group? I was. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely feel that was the case. You took me right it's to like, that moment like the- <laughs> as I saw Ted and Wayne offering you suggestions back and forth. How, how was it sitting? I didn't get a chance to ask them, how was it sitting with two different directors who, who, now that I've interacted with them, have very different styles from each other and likely yourself as well? It actually worked quite well. It was the same as when we actually had the discussions about casting, is that we took three different positions. So I think we kept the auditioners on their toes because Wayne would ask something and then Ted would say, can I do, can you do this? And then I would sit there quietly and just watch for a bit or I would ask them and Wei would watch and we we sort of fitted together it didn't oh that's wonderful we weren't and you didn't really know each other at no all. not at all not at all <laughs> I love that and then you get to the time of casting mm-hmm. I've, I've heard from Ted that Sean Anderson was I- indispensable at that moment with an Excel spreadsheet and availabilities and you knew who you had the opportunity to pick from and I've heard from Wayne and I've heard from Ted that both of them got exactly who they wanted yes did you get who you I did want? I did how Absolutely. does this happen? I have no idea this is why I said <laughs> we seem to fit together we there were people who were in Sylvia, who I could have used, oh, and there absolutely. were people in Wonderful Life who I could have used, but the people we got were the people we wanted. So that's amazing. I think that that really tells for what we might want to start doing a bit more of for these shows that go up at similar times with similar rehearsal schedules. That this might be a better thing to do in Calgary so that. We're not having people come out for auditions for one show. Because what could have very easily happened is you could have gone to all three auditions, Mm -hmm. been the choice for Mm -hmm. all three people, and then all three directors are offering you opportunities that they have sat down and deliberated on. They've built schedules and they've built a cast around these people that they're going to make an offer to, only for that person to now say, I have to make a choice between these three. Yeah. And that happens regularly. I think it's... It's good for the directors to be able to make the choice, you know, and then have backups, obviously, yeah. just in case they find themselves, you know, sent to Vancouver or something. But as, as well. But also like the directors making choices as to which person they're going to make an offer to. Yeah. But they're going to make an offer to the person who said, this is the show I'm I'm preferring. Like if I have a preference for yeah. the Peacock season, you you had first right of, of access to that actor. Yeah. If you said, you know, I'm, I don't think they're going to be quite a fit for the Peacock season, then it gives the people who are doing Sylvia and the people who are doing It's a Wonderful Life the opportunity to say, maybe I can send I can, an offer yeah, to I can them. see them absolutely doing that part yeah and it would be great if we could as calgary community theater maybe come together a bit more in these audition processes with the directors and having these scheduling components together so it's it's a bit cleaner for both actors directors and companies going forward so that we're not running into these problems we run into which is i said yes to your show but I had auditioned for this other show. And since I'm just in the ensemble or I have a very small character in your show and they want to give me the lead, I'm out. Yeah. And it just creates hardship and tension. The only thing that you need to do that is someone like Sean, who has the spreadsheet, who has everything. So you need, I suppose, an artistic director to, to organize us because directors, we don't like to talk to each other. <laughs> do they not like to talk to each other? Well, because I think they do. Because you're fo- so. you're focused on your show, right? So you're just interested in what comes to your show, whereas you need yeah. 
sort of a a person who has no necessarily no vested interest in each show. So he then says, or they then say, but this person that you want isn't available for your rehearsals on Saturdays. Right. You have to make that, uh, yeah. take that into account. So someone not get to remind you, yeah. yeah, just to remind you that this person can't do this or that person said that they wanted to be in this other show yeah. and they want them. Yeah. So you can't have them. As a director, that's the case in your part here. You're just here to cast your show. You, you, you're not the person who's putting together the call sheet because you're, you're not the producer. Yeah. No. But if there is, a, and, and I don't necessarily believe you need to have one Sean Anderson handling the production of all shows. I mean, he essentially was producer for all three yeah. shows. He was even the sound guy for It's a Wonderful yes, Life was. for three of the shows. So Sean Anderson is a, is a special and unique and wonderful human being in community theater is enriched by having him. But I still think that even if you don't have a Sean Anderson and you just have producers working together to put these casting calls director, casting calls together with the questions that are being asked, it'd yeah. be a great thing to see going forward. Yeah, you. I think you need you need someone to remind you because I, I don't know about other directors, but I can get really enthusiastic about people and like, you know, I need someone to remind me that Right. Yeah, no, they're not. <laughs> you can't do that. <laughs> they're not yeah. available. You may want that person a ton, but they can only make one rehearsal a week. Yeah. That's 30% of your yeah. show. They're not going to be a good fit. Yeah. yeah. You need someone to, you know, pull you back in. Yeah, so, exactly. And if you're having those discussions and having discussions with the other directors as well, I think you need sort of a... You got a, a leader and a mediator. Mediator, that's yeah, the word. Definitely yeah. need somebody who's there, to, yeah. who's, who's finessing all of the organizational, yeah. and yeah. also not just a mediator, kind of an admin assistant in this yeah. case here, definitely. because they're doing that element of work. But I think that there is advantage to be had from doing more of it in in the future. So you've got your production team. Yes. You've got your cast. Yes. Amazingly, miraculously, yes. you have your cast. You begin. When did rehearsals begin for this show? October. I think. Wow. So <laughs> time your show has doesn't flown. go up until February. Yeah. But we did have a two week Christmas break. At 10 days. But okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got your little vacation in Christmas. Yeah. But that is still a yeah. very long rehearsal schedule for a full play. Yeah. Um. Was it? Did it start we the didn't end start, of October? It's, middle it started, of October? It started two weeks after It's a Wonderful Life started. And I can't remember when they started, yeah. which is about, it was probably a couple of weeks after auditions. So, okay. But I, I was actually really appreciative of it because we did have a lot of discussions about the characters and about who they are when they're interacting with different characters and actually having time to sit down and do that rather than sending them away. Here's your script, learn your lines and I'll put you where I want you to be on the stage. We right. actually had discussions, which was lovely. Great. So it's really set up a foundation for yeah. success with the show. Yeah. And so that's been great. We've talked about all these successes that has happened. What's been hard about this show? What's been hard? What would you like to tell people, like how difficult it is to put together a show? We're talking over a thousand hours of labor has already been undertaken by everyone involved to put this show together. What's been hard about putting this in front of an audience? The hardest thing is getting everyone in a room at the same time. Schedules. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we have uh, one, one cast member, Stuart, who is currently in Sylvia. Um, he has been to four rehearsals, maybe, in that whole period. And... Although no, I let, yeah, we should we should preface that that he's not a super re well like he's not really relevant to the show over much, but he does have a cer certain need. Yes, he yeah. definitely he's he is he's relevant to the show, but he interacts with very few people. But they yeah. need they need someone there. And Stuart came in on Saturday, did one run through of their little bit. We directed him. He did it again, and though different reaction that the actress had with him the second time it just made everything so much better and it's that reaction that that interaction between the two cast mm -hmm. members that needs to happen yeah. you can't just throw someone in in tech week and say just do it because right. you know where they stand how they lines, look he has right? no lines yeah no. so he has no lines and he's only there for a small amount yeah first I yeah so I can understand not uh, if you don't have any lines 
and you're not even working really on blocking yet, yeah. <laughs> that would be a tough, a yes. tough sell. Sure. Yeah, but he was straight into rehearsals for Sylvia. So yeah, so and there he is. Good. A lot of talking lines. He has a lot of talking lines on in stage Sylvia. for most of yeah. that entire production. So to that end, it's been hard, like get coordinating and getting people yeah. together. And and I will say a lot of people have said that on the show in the last forty episodes that we've done now for on staging. And when you are not paying people. Yeah to do a show we work and adjust to our schedules around that and also post covid we also are much more susceptible and we are much more sensitive to Definitely. illness that if you have a, a scratch in your throat or you have you're running a small fever don't come to the rehearsal yeah because whatever value you're going to give in the day or the night of that rehearsal it's going to be lost when you knock out four other people because they're all going to come down with what you had and be sick for the next two weeks as well yes we did we had quite a lot before Christmas we had quite a lot of sickness absences which yeah. is absolutely fine we're like yes please no stay away <laughs> it's the time of year for yeah. it too yeah so we're running into the tough time where it's yeah. like if you're sick well don't get sick yeah don't get sick that was literally don't get sick yeah not something we can really no do no. anything about but you try your best please do all the things that we were told at the beginning of the pandemic yeah. wash your hands constantly wear masks if you have you know, yeah. if you're going to large groups of people, don't actually don't go to large groups of people. Don't walk in parking lots. Don't fall over. Don't <laughs> like twist your ankle. Don't. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of don'ts. Go back to your, your preserved packaging and yes. then we'll take you out again for <laughs> yes. the, the next rehearsal. Yeah. Not really viable or, no. or optionable for people, especially who are making a living doing something else. Yeah. Uh, and that's what's going on for everybody yes. here. So it's hard putting a cast together. What else has been hard? Um, what else has been hard? How about Can intimacy? I, uh, well, intimacy, we only, the, the uh, worst thing, as you said, was there is, there's very limited choices of, of, um, intimacy directors. So we had to wait until last week to have the intimacy director come in. Or oh, the week that before, been so hard was. to do. Um, yeah, there's lots of placeholders and, and it's, it breaks up the flow of the show. You don't see why it fits in. You don't, they, you know, the thing that happens after the intimacy doesn't really make sense or right. so and the reactions and, and the interactions reactions, yeah. all change. Yeah. So we finally got that in place. Um, Where would you have preferred to put it? Cause like last week is two weeks before your show goes up. You're already doing runs. Yes. Where would you have preferred to put your intimacy? About, about Three weeks before that, just oh, so wow. they could. You so know, post blocking, initial yeah. blockings are initial blocking, in, then you start and to then get, to get the intimacy, get the fight, and then we can. What do you think about putting intimacy at the very, very beginning when they're starting to talk and think about their characters in the first place? Since that's usually such a tent pole moment for anybody. It's certainly discussing it at that point. Yeah. Um, I'm quite, I was quite comfortable and I was so appreciative of my cast because they were really comfortable with themselves, with each other oh, that's right great. from the start. So we had the discussions about, can I hold your hand? Can I touch your shoulder? Can I, we... We had those discussions yep. before we started blocking or anything like that. So they were comfortable. Yes, you can hold my hand. Yes, you can. Those discussions were vital for getting them comfortable with each other. Yep. And then offstage, they've all been chatting about all sorts of things. So they are much more comfortable with each other. That's so, great. But I also want to just put a caution on that too, because intimacy is not necessarily about being comfortable with your, pers your person on stage, but it's also masking and ensuring that you're maintaining that level of professional distance between people so that you don't end up... I've just seen so many divorces oh. come as a result of improperly positioned intimacy in a show. Yeah, and that <laughs> is why we left it with... Hand-holding and elbow touching, like, touching, and yeah. that was it until we had Anastasia to do the actual. Yeah, that's great. Proper intimacy. The, yeah, but it's I think complicated stuff because we had to leave it so long. Right. We had to do something. You can't do this show yeah. without those moments. Those moments, and they're not they're not specifically intimacy moments. And when you've only got a short amount of time with the intimacy director, you want to focus on the things that are vital absolutely the kissing and yeah, the genuine the, choreography know. of it yeah yeah we had a small amount of time with her so oh, i'm so glad that we we had already done the physical 
did you get to talk about the masking and whatnot too and all of those components that come with it? Or? Yes. Yeah, okay, they, sp- they spoke about all of that with the, the actual proper intimacy bits. Great. Which was Anastasia St. Armand? Yes. Perfect. She's yes. wonderful. She's, She's great. Fabulous. She's very thorough and does a fantabulous yeah. job yeah. in all ways and shapes and forms. I would love to see more Anastasias in Calgary. Yes. It'd be really, really helpful. And maybe we can start to see that come and develop. Yes, As we go I along. think I think one of the good things that she leaves is a, a legacy of knowing right away to ask if people hurt, like yeah. if they, you know, they've broken their finger or you know, just for the the general physical physicality of everything, yeah. because that it is important. It is important to make sure you know boundaries. You know that someone, you know, they've got a hearing aid or. You can't, so you can't touch their ears right. or, and having these discussions just in general around being on stage is a, is a very good thing. And Absolutely. then obviously she goes further into the, the and she goes in. into the actual choreography yeah. of it, which is yeah. super important yeah. too and necessary. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. And so what are audiences going to love about seeing the Peacock season? They are going to love all the different characters that each character has so the the main two have at least two characters they are completely different a loving relationship versus a money relationship that they're going to love the costumes because they're absolutely beautiful they are going to love the comedy and the silliness of the show and there's 14 people mm-hmm. and there's a whole bunch of stuff happening mm-hmm. throughout this entire production. It's Things are going to get overlooked. If somebody's listening to this podcast, what's something you'd like to share with the listener that they could look for that they, that they might not see or they might not catch? That's my favorite question to ask. I know it is because I heard <laughs> this on one of your other podcasts and I went, I'm going to think of an answer to that. Oh, good. So I know my answer. My answer is, and when I'm directing it, I look for those things. It's what's going on in the background. Yeah. So you might need to come to the show two or three times because you'll want to see what the main actors are doing at the time, what where they're saying. But then another time you come, you might want to watch all the background. What's going on? So what's happening People in the drinking coffee, that we could the faces yeah. that they're making when they're drinking or talking about eating or the general reactions. There's a an aunt and niece and the niece really does not get on with the aunt and that comes across but if you're not watching if you're watching what the main what the speaking actors are doing right you're not seeing what the the niece is doing that's great and um and that's the little like the little reactions that mean you have to come twice or three times just to (laughs) just to watch the background people Keep an eye on the niece while the aunt is talking <laughs> to see genuinely how the niece feels about the aunt. That sounds yes. like one specific one. To that get. is a specific one. I, I have an insider look to this show mm-hmm. because I am also involved in it as the sound designer. You are. I, I will suggest as well, there is a moment where there's some poison in a glass and it gets forgotten as to which glass the poison is in. The expression on the person who's put the poison in the glass is probably the best thing to look for as well that you might overlook potentially. That whole scene. The problem with it is that there's so much talking going on that you also need to listen to. Yeah. But you really need to watch um, Cora. Keep your eyes and ears perked throughout that entire moment. And there's there's so much faces. There. Faces are a big thing for me and they do an awesome job. I love my cast. They're doing so well. And one of my comments when we started properly blocking, when they were off book, they just they they just do so well reacting without there's no one sitting there just like blank staring into space waiting for their line. None of that. And what are the audiences going to take away from having been to the Peacock season? <laughs> what is it? What's going to change about their lives that they'll have been impacted by this art? So it's not high art. It's not going to, you know, but there is a super tender moment right at the end where the main character makes a choice between love or money. Um, and I think the speech at the end, I think it might, it might, you know, people might think about that whether love or money 
what's more important. <laughs> maybe. Or maybe they'll just go and go, that was a good night out. I enjoy taking, you know, two hours out of my <laughs> boring day to watch well, a funny So I, I, I kind of hope people will want to throw their own dinner party and oh. be like, you know, it. we haven't done that in a while. It's been a pandemic of life since we've had people over and the sort of drama and hijinks that come from inviting others, especially yes. maybe those that don't know each other well, over to your home for a bit of, you know, poison and murder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't done a murder mystery party for about 30 years so yeah that's a good idea we should all do that we should all have murder mystery parties <laughs> yeah and to see the relationships between these characters change and evolve over yeah. the course of those two hours especially between the two love that erstwhile love each other yes and have made now a decision for money yes that is that is something you're going to take away with it and maybe look at your own relationships in life well i hope no one decides money over love and then tries to murder their partner for love and money right that's, that's what it's all about for both. You want both. yeah div divorces are an option now right Not for love or money but yeah this is a, a great show it is it opens on february the 2nd it does it runs until february 27 is it really a full three-week run? It is a full three-week run. So, yeah, it runs all the way through. It is at the Pump House. Yes. Tickets are available in the show notes. They are. The opening night is sold out. Wow. That's so, wonderful. I will be there opening night with my family. There will be some... Um, there are, I think there's a few shows that there are only a couple of tickets left. And there is not really, they're not going to be able to pull the curtain back and add an extra hundred seats nope. like they do in the bigger theater. You are stuck with the people you have. They might be able to add another row in the front. I think probably we've already, not. Yeah, no, I think so, sold out with the extra rows already. So find your way to the pump house after February 2nd, because you can't go that night now. Um, <laughs> Because this is definitely theater worth watching. You've I heard from so. Nicola. You've seen, you know, you've heard about all the things that are going on and how this this complicated production has come together. It's woven into this beautiful, beautiful fabric and tapestry. And I think that you would be remiss to not take two hours out of your life to come see this ephemeral thing that will exist one time only. Morpheus did it in 2006, 18 years ago, back when Nicola first arrived in Calgary <laughs> in the first place. They're probably not going to do it again anytime soon. So your opportunities to see something that you will not get to see otherwise with these people doing this show, working as hard as they can, remains to be seen if you, you find the value in that. I know I do. Thanks for listening. <laughs>